Gyro Nation Metal. Welcome back, everyone. This is Jeff with Gyro Nation Metal. Sirith Ungol began making music in the early 1970s and have featured the artwork of Michael Whalen on all of their album covers. Their newest album, Dark Parade, is set to be released on October 20th through Metal Blade Records, just a few days after the release of this episode. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Tim Baker, vocalist of Sirith Ungol. Shout out to Lucy of Looters Public Relations Agency for helping me set up this episode. Tim, I want to thank you so much for joining me today. I appreciate you giving me this opportunity. Yeah, no, no. The pleasure is all mine. Glad to meet you, Jeff. You as well. I, I wish my camera was working. I'd give you a virtual handshake. No, but, that's uh, Jeff, seems like it's not. Jeff Giro, right? Correct. Yeah, okay. I was hoping I said that right. Yeah, it's like, yeah, I got it. At the time of recording this episode, we're pretty much three weeks away from the release of your new album. So what are some last minute things that you have to do? As far as the album goes, oh we're, no, we're done with all that with all the you know pre-production and I mean I mean it's 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 done it's pressed it's they're probably like right now wrap like you know wrapping the cellophane on them and getting ready to send them out so I mean we're, there's nothing left really for us to do except to you know get on with the you know helpful friendly people like you and help promote it and uh, you know get the word out. That sounds great. I haven't seen any tour announcements following the release of Dark Parade, with the exception of your album release show. And that night, if I'm correct, you'll be recording a live album, which will include Dark Parade in, in its entirety and some Sirith and Gold classics. Uh, did I say the band name properly? That's one thing I did forget Sirith, to ask. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sirith Ungol. It's a it's a big bone of contention with everybody. Like the the, <laughs> the, the, the the Lord of the Rings people. Like, oh, you're not saying it right. Like, well, you know, they had the name when I met them. So I mean, I have nothing. Another. Yeah, uh, as far as the, the touring stuff goes, I mean, we didn't really do that much this year stuff because like, we were like, you know, gearing up to do this whole album thing, you know, writing and recording and, you know, the whole process involved in it. But uh, right now we are in the process of uh, it's around the time for booking, you know, booking stuff for next year. So we're really looking forward to that. We got uh, some stuff lined up. And as soon as, you know, as soon as the uh, a lot of the stuff is concrete and hammered out, we'll, you know, we'll be announcing things. So hopefully we can, uh, you know, definitely make it up to Canada. You know, I hopefully we can do that. So, but, but as, as soon as we know more stuff, uh, it'll all be up online and uh, it'll be announced soon, probably. I'll definitely be following that. Have you guys decided which songs you're going to be playing at your album release outside of the new material? Uh, it's a, it's a rotating list of, uh, you know, the classics that we normally do. It, it just depends on, uh, the last person I was talking to, they were like saying, well, how do you decide what songs to play? And it's like, yeah, it's getting tougher the more albums you put out, you know, like 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 every band, it gets tougher to like, you know, decide what you're going to do. But it just depends on how much time we have. We have a we have a, a list of stuff that, you know, we actually feel comfortable playing that we can get through without, you know, too much problem. So it's it's just a matter of time and, and uh, figure out how much time we're going to do it and, as to what songs. There's the there's the normal, you know, Sirithungal quote classics that we you know have to do you know five or six of them at least that we have to do and the other ones are kind of a rotating you know set list so definitely and it's going to be pretty cool album release because of the live recording there and you've already done one other live album released in 2019 called i'm alive yes for you what are the biggest differences between playing a regular show and setting one up for a live album um well really it's not it's not much different at all really i mean you just just plug everything and just record everything straight off the board. You know what I mean? All the all the tracks are like that. Then you take it later on and just kind of mix it like an album and go through and see what's usable, what's not usable, you know, what came out good, what's, you know, what mistakes there are, what, you know, so take, pick and choose what's good, what's not. It's, it's uh, like you said, we just did a live album. So I don't know. It's 
kind of an odd thing that we're kind of doing another one like this, but uh, that's why we're, we're try, trying to do a few things that we didn't do on the, the, the double live album. So, so we can have some like, you know, different things on the live album besides the new stuff. So hopefully uh, we'll have a, a diverse set list there and it won't, you know, some of the songs obviously will be the same as on the live album because it's the ones we kind of have to do. But if that's, you know, that was done a few years ago by now. So we've, you know, had more time to actually play them a bunch more times. So I think there'll be better versions anyway. So hopefully it'll, it'll all turn out well. And you mentioned that you actually go back after recording the live album and you're able to mix and master it similar to a regular album is is that something that a lot of bands do i'm not really familiar with the whole live side of things oh yeah yeah that's every every band has to do that yeah you just really kind of uh plug in and or just you know you can actually now everything's digital so you can just record the entire show like all the tracks all the microphones that you're using up on stage you know the, the guitars all the drum mics and everything like that and they're all separate in their own tracks just like you would be uh in the studio recording a, an, an album to a, to a point, I mean, there is some bleeding through of the, the mics, like things bleed into other things because you're like, you know, you're on stage and it's really loud. So it's kind of hard to get things separate, but it's it's possible to do that. And it, yeah, every band has to do that. They have to go back and, and go through the, you know, tweak stuff, EQ stuff to make it, you know, sound like it's like it's supposed to sound like a, like a live show because, you know, it doesn't sound the same as like being out in the crowd, like through the, you know, through the sound system, things like that, because it's coming straight off the board. So it's a different thing. But uh, yeah, it's it's a normal process. It's it's normally that's how bands do it. So I've noticed on some live albums that they have like that you hear the audience a little bit. Is that something that's done on purpose, or is that something that's just picked up by the mics just simply because of the recording? Well, sometimes it is, and sometimes it's not. A, a lot of times it depends on the sh on the on the venue whether you can really pick that up off the the mics that are being used to record the show because usually they're like you know jammed right into the the guitar cabinet they're like right up next to the drums, so you can't hear so a lot of people you know they'll just throw a couple of mics out pointing towards the crowd to get some room ambiance and a lot of times that'll actually pick up uh some of the other i mean it, it actually adds to the the if you want to get a kind of a, a room feel for the album you can like throw those like tracks onto the album also to get kind of give it a bigger sound plus you can get the crowd sounds in there and stuff which is you know, it, it gives it, it kind of gives it the, the experience of being there without being there. You know, I mean, that's really what a live album is supposed to do. So yeah, a lot of bands will do that. I think, I think we might've done that or, uh, at least, you know, I'm sure we did. So I, I don't remember quite clearly if we just pointed a mic, pointed a mic at the crowd or whatever, just to pick some up. But yeah, I mean, that's what, that's how most bands do it. And Sirith Ingle has gone through its share of changes in sound, membership, and a lengthy hiatus from 1992 to 2015. So in what ways did you want Dark Parade to remain consistent with your traditional sound, and what are some musical elements that you wanted to focus on changing or building upon this time around? Well, really, it's it's all kind of been of a, a, a natural progression, I think, from uh, uh, the stuff that we did earlier. Uh, it was early in our career, and, you know, we've matured a lot since then and and had more time to have more influences. And there's better technology now, of course, to, to record albums. And uh, people have asked, well, gee, I mean, you took that long of a break and you come back and you did, you know, you did the Witches Game single and then you did uh, Forever Black. And like, how do you sound, you know, like you kind of did back then? And how, you know, I mean, and I, I always make the joke, I go, well, it's like asking if somebody like the Beatles got back together, I mean, they'd sound like the Beatles, you know what I mean? 
Yeah. So I mean, it's the same thing with us. I mean, I mean, I don't know what people were expecting that we wouldn't sound like Sirith Ungo, but I mean, it's it's the same people, it's the same influences, it's the same mindset, it's the you know the same group of people involved in writing and and producing the music and playing it. So I mean, it's going to sound the same as it, more or less the same as it kind of did back in the day. It's just more mature, and I think it's better and more concise, and it's got more of a. Uh, I, I, I want to say it's kind of gotten darker over the years, but I mean, yeah, I think it's just more mature and it's more consistent than it was back in the day. And of course, the recordings are, are a lot better. The sound is a lot better and it's much easier to do recordings now and, and get them the way that you like them. So it's 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 way better nowadays to do recordings. And, uh, you know, like I said, it's just a, a progression of the band. It's just a, a natural flow from one thing to the next. I read a description online about the Dark Parade and the album it states that the album offers a metallic soundtrack of societal decay and environmental collapse that foreshadows nothing less than total extinction. So, is there an overarching story in your albums that can, that you continue to elaborate on? And if not, how does this album tie in with your previous releases? Well, really, the the things that I write are all kind of a of a similar theme, kind of like what you just said. I mean, I don't want to be such a pessimist all the time. I mean, I'm not in real life, you know what I mean? In my <laughs> daily life, but you know, when it comes to these things, I mean, it's, 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 it's just the things that come out when I, when I write lyrics and it, it just kind of, to me, it reflects the, like you said, the, the, the decay, the destruction of man's inhumanity to man, you know, since time began. And it's, I don't know. It, it's, it's never going to stop. And hopefully we're not heading too closely to end times. Cause uh, you know, I still got some things to do, but you know, <laughs> it, 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 it kind of sounds like it. And, 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 you know, our music does reflect a bit of that. I mean, hopefully people can take whatever they want to out of it and not make it, you know, too much of a, of a, well, I don't, I don't know. Everybody, I hope everybody gets something out of it. And uh, I, I don't want to put too much into what, what I, what I have to say about all that. What inspired you originally to use music as a vehicle for storytelling? Uh, yeah, just being, like I said, just being in a band, it, it was like when, when I first joined the band, it, it was uh, Greg, uh, those guys, he did most of the writing for the, the stuff. And then when he quit, we all just kind of had to start doing it ourselves. And, and it just kind of, like I said, it's a, it was, it's, it's just a natural progression of just writing things and, and, and trying to get something across and and not make it too literal and make it rhyme, which is the hard part, <laughs> you know. So it's a, uh, it's a good way to, to say things without being beating people over the head with some specific message, I think. And that's what I try to do in my in my lyrics. I mean, I don't try to be too much of a literalist. I, I, I hope. I hope that people can get things out of it that they want to get out of it or nothing at all. Or, you know, it could be about the end times or it could be about, you know, cars and girls. I don't know. I just write the stuff and <laughs> it's, up, it's up to other people to, to get what they want to out of it. And hopefully they do get something out of it. I mean, that's, you know, that's that's what I strive for. I mean, I, I take a lot of time writing things and hopefully it, it you know, hopefully it, it people get something out of it in the long run. And so if I'm interpreting that properly, there there could be a message in some of your songs or even a lot of them, but it really depends on what the listener wants to get from it. And if they just want a good story, that's what they're getting as well. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's that's what I try to do. I mean, like I said, I don't want to be too much of a literalist. And, and even even the, some of the things that I write that 
that are that could be taken at face value, of course, to me they might mean something different. To you they might mean something different, and, and to other people they might mean other things. I mean, I think all, I think not all, but I mean, I, I'm sure a lot of people that write, you know, music and things like that, they have things that they want to say, and they don't want to just come out and beat people over the head with what they want to say. So they try to couch it in terms of, you know, generalizations and and using. And, and analogies and, and things like that. So that's what I try to do. And, and, you know, hopefully it's not too arcane or too obscure or too, you know, lame or, you know, whatever for people. So I just do the best that I can. And that's, that's all that I can do. So. You mentioned rhyme as one of the challenges that you faced when you're reading, you're writing your lyrics, sorry. What are some of the other challenges that you've experienced in writing stories in song format versus something a little bit longer like short stories or a novel oh yeah i would i would not have people have asked me about that like you know do you want to contribute like maybe write a short story for like you know for a a, you know a fanzine or do like a a, a, you know other things and i said no i i can't do that i i i I try to i try to have a, a specific idea that i want to get across when i'm writing songs and and a certain feeling and, and, uh, yeah, it's tough. I mean, uh, there are a few bands that, that don't, that, that write stuff that's not, that, that is just prose style. And to me, it's, 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 it's kind of, it's jarring because you're so used to like listening to music and songs where things rhyme and it's, and it's, and it's weird to do it, but I mean, you kind of get used to doing it. Uh, it's it's just you know making things rhyme and and being able to say what you want to say, without you know making things too weird and simplistic or just rhyming like you know me with B or you with you know through or I mean it's, it's you know I mean it's 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 tough it's it's not easy to write basically you're writing poetry so you know I, I don't know I don't want to sound like a you know some fool that's like acting like he knows what he's doing i just write whatever comes into i just write whatever comes into my head and hopefully it it, it makes sense and hopefully it's not too you know too lame or too you know too much for people to like not get something out of it and we've talked a lot about your storytelling and you have obviously now a long history of creating different science fiction and fantasy stories within your albums you're clearly a fan of michael moorcock's elric series as you featured a number of Michael Whalen's renditions of Elric specifically as album covers. And on the new album, you have a song titled The Sailor on the Seas of Fate, which is direct reference to the second Elric book. So why this series specifically? Well, it's, it's uh, I don't know, it's weird. Well, because for one thing, it's the hero of those stories has been on every one of our album covers from the fantastic Michael Whelan paintings from the, you know, all our album covers have had Elric, the hero of those stories, Michael Moorcock books. But, you know, I mean, it, it's another it's another kind of an odd thing with the band. I mean, people look at the it, the imagery in the album covers and they, they assume that we're a, a sword and sorcery band or like, you know, or, or we're all doing like stories about Bilbo and, you know, Conan and things like that, and which we don't really do. I mean, uh, the last couple of albums have had one song that have had any kind of sword and sorcery theme on them. And, I, and, and you know, I, I specifically did that. Because, you know, it it is part of the genre of music that we play. So, And as far as that character goes, like I said, he's graced all our album covers. And it's really, uh, 
it's easy to write things like that that are kind of analogous to that genre and to and to make because it's an he's an anti-hero basically so you know it's it's easy to write things that are kind of in a gray area there's neither good nor bad it's like you know it's pick or choose good or evil you know so that that character is really good for writing those kind of stories so that that's why those books are really good if people haven't read them. I mean, I, I, I haven't read any of those kind of books for years and years, but I mean, I know the tropes of the genre and I know how they go and I know the, you know, the general feeling of the, of the, the style of, of those kind of stories. So those specific songs like Stormbringer on Forever Black was another song that, mm -hmm. that's like that. Sailor of the Seas of Fate. There's a couple of songs on the other older albums that reference those things. So that's why those songs are on there. The rest of them really don't have anything to do with sword and sorcery, so to speak, you know, but I mean, you know, it is something that we do, we, we did enjoy back in the day and we still enjoy. And, uh, I don't mind writing you know, a song here and there about that. So it's kind of fun to do that. In a previous interview, Greg mentioned a number of authors that, um, had contributed to like influences regarding your lyrics and storytelling. So Fritz Lieber, Jack Vance, Robert E. Howard, great Conan art, um, author there, Clark, Ath Clark Ashton Smith, who I've never actually heard of. Other than Lord of the Rings, are there any other literary series that you've chosen to incorporate into your stories or have influenced you, of course? Um, no, like no, no, no. Well, specifically not. Greg was really talking about his own influences there because okay. I've never, I've, I've, I don't, I haven't read most those people he's talking about really at all myself either. I mean, you know, I think I read Lord of the Rings back when I was in like school or something years and years and years ago. They had the name before I ever met him. And like I said, I did read the Elric books. I have read a couple of probably other sword and sorcery things back in the day. But like I said, I haven't cracked one of those open since the eighties. You know what I mean? I I I, I mostly read. I mostly read you know the classics literature and Milton and Dante and Moorcock. I mean, you know, I'm I'm more of a science fiction reader if I'm going to read stuff. So those are his influences, and you know, it it has bled into the band some of the songs and stuff. But like I said, it, it's all a it's all everybody's kind of mixed together like his influences mine and you know everybody in the bands kind of came together and made Sarah Thungle what it is today and what it was in the past and probably what it will be in the future you mentioned that you like science fiction a little bit more who are some of your favorite sci-fi authors uh well the, the, usually the classic guys Asimov like yep. Arthur Clarke you know I've read some Philip K Dick and you know Heinlein you know Jules Verne all the all that kind of stuff you know I've, I've read a lot of those over in you know growing up and stuff before you know before everybody was stuck in front of a tv or had facebook or you know or, or the internet or whatever just to you know tick tock to to take up all their time in the world you know it was you, you read books you know that's what i did growing up so i mean that's that's the kind of stuff that i read growing up and that was kind of more more of my influence of, of my sphere of influence as far as literature goes and like I said, the classics too, you know, like the stuff that's hard to get through, you know, like uh, Dante and Milton and, you know, Dostoevsky and uh, Kafka and all that kind of stuff. You know, I've read all that and it's just, you know, some of it's a slog to get through, but, you know, but that, you know, but like I said, if, it, if you really take your time and get to it, I mean, you're always going to get something out of it. So, I mean, that's the kind of stuff that I, I read when I was younger. So that that's, that's my major influences. And I know we touched on Michael Whelan already in this interview uh you guys now have a decades-long relationship in using his artwork for your album covers in a previous interview you alluded to choosing his artwork being important 
due to the instant attention that it received, like when you had to go back to the record stores and people would pick it up and basically choose an album based on what they saw. What were some of the other reasons that you guys chose to go with Michael Whelan and, as opposed to different artists? Well, I think original. Uh, well, the original story was is 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 uh when when we decided we were gonna do you know make an album and stuff we we really wanted to do like Rob was a big fan of the 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 Frank Franzetta stuff mm-hmm. you know and he really wanted to use like one of the Franzetta things like Berserk or whatever like that and then I think I think we saw it was like Molly Hatchet that used like a friend the the, the thing on their on their album and we were like oh my god so we were looking <laughs> around like I said we were looking around for like something else to use. And uh, at that time, like I said, we were reading the Moorcock books, and in the, the book Stormbringer had the the cover from our first album on it, and you know we kind of go like, well, oh my God, that's that's better than the Franzetta stuff. Why don't we? Why would we use that for an album cover? So, you know, Rob got a hold of Michael Whelan in, in uh, back, you know, back, 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 back a long time ago, and. Uh, you know, we became friends with him. We started using his artwork and we were the first band to ever, you know, contact him and say, Hey, you know, can we use one of your, your covers that you've done for books and stuff? Can we use that for an album cover. You know, we were, we were the first band to ever approach him about that. And he's done a lot of stuff since then, of course, for like, you know, many, many bands and, and different books and movies and stuff. So, you know, he was kind of surprised about that. And then, you know, we forged a decade long friendship, but we're, we're, we're still friends to this day, you know, talk to him on a regular basis and, you know, we're we're more than happy to to be able to have his artwork. But like you said, it's it's like back in the day when you were just you know you go to the record store and you're flipping through albums. I mean, you're looking for something that's going to catch your eye. And you know, every one of our album covers. I mean, if you see that, you're going to like you're going to stop and you're going to pick it up and go, oh, this you know, especially if you're a metal fan, you're going to go, oh, this might be something that you know interesting. I might want to hear this. So it's 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 been a it's been a great pleasure and a and an honor, and it's really helped us out you know over the years to have him involved with us and to have be able to use his fantastic artwork i'm a huge fan of that old school like fantasy look like when when we're talking about robert e howard oh yeah obviously michael whelan frank frazetta these are all oh yeah yeah yeah. boris vallejo and all these guys yeah Yeah. there's a you know there's a lot of modern guys that do a lot of that stuff too and it's like you kind of go you you look at it you kind of go man these guys are i mean it's I, i it's really really good i mean i i i a few years ago uh michael whelan well he's been he's been out here and he's visited us, visited us before and brought a couple of paintings with him which was amazing um but he had a, a an art show a couple of years ago uh in pasadena which is south from us in california and he had the original Stormbringer there from our first album plus some of a lot of his other artwork there and i mean it's it's you walk up to something like that and you, and, you know, we've asked them like, how, how, how do you do this? You know, it's just, it's just amazing. It just, it's just, it's like, it's something from another world that to, to be able to have the talent to, to do things like that, you know, and it's, 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 it was, it was amazing. It was like so cool to see that in person, you know, and he's a, he's a really great guy and he's, he's totally, he's come and seen us before, uh, and, it, and, you know, we, we've hung out a couple of different times and he's, he's so cool. And it's like I said, it's amazing. If you ever get a chance, he, if he does a show anywhere, I mean, definitely go see it because it, his artwork is amazing. And it, to see it in person and, and not just see it online or on a poster or something, it's just incredible. I think there's another bit of charm there too, where 
when he started, everything was done by hand and it wasn't digitally completed, you know? Oh, yeah. No, he still does it. He still does things that way. He he, he does a lot of mixed media stuff now since, I mean, he, he keeps up with the times and stuff, but a lot of his stuff is still done, you know, brush in hand on a piece of canvas, you know, and, and he, you know, he'll go on, he'll, he'll manipulate things here and there, but, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's an amazing skill, and I, I I don't know how any human being can can do that. <laughs> For, you know, it's it's beyond me. If, if I try to draw, it's like a you know, it looks like a it's a stick figure basically. So you know, it's, it's really I'm in the weird. same boat. <laughs> oh man, it's it's horrible. My 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 a couple of my kids can draw decently, you know, but I mean to be able to do the things that he does is amazing. You've spoken a lot of your main influence as a band in the past, of course. You've had multiple interviews over the decades, so like Budgie, Mountain, Black Sabbath, Dust, Sir Baltimore, etc. Who are some of the bands on your current heavy rotation? Uh, well, I don't really have a current heavy rotation. I, 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 I like I said, I have Apple, I have Apple Music on my phone, and when, when I'm driving around, you know, or whatever, I, it's oh, it's always on random, and people would just people would be really surprised at the stuff that I listen to. I, I don't listen to a lot of metal at all. Um, probably because I'm in a metal band and I have to write music like that and stuff. So I don't really listen to a lot of it. And I listen, to, you know, I listen to a lot of weird stuff. I mean, and just everything from the fifties and sixties to crooners to like bubblegum music and, you know, all kinds of, I'm mostly like Motown and soul music and things like that. So, if I do listen to metal on, you know, sometimes it pops up. So, I mean, I don't want to say that I don't listen to it, but I mean, I have a, it's not, it's not the only thing I, I'm not one of those people that's totally, you know, dialed into one thing. I don't listen to metal at, at the exclusion of anything else. I mean, I listen to a quite a wide variety of stuff and, you know, and metal is just one of the things that I listen to. It's not the main thing I listen to. And being a musician since the seventies here, you've obviously seen I mean, not just metal, but music as a whole go through a multitude of different changes. Oh, yeah. So can you identify any more recent bands? It doesn't matter if they're metal or not, but other bands who are doing things in which you consider valuable to their specific genre or something that can be seen as game-changing? Oh, geez. Um, no, not really, because like I said, I, I don't really keep up on, on, on popular trends and popular culture as far as music goes. I mean, I got to listen to a lot of stuff that, you know, I grew up with and like, like everybody does, they kind of get stuck in their own era and listen to stuff. I do listen to some new stuff. I, a lot of the bands that we play with at the festivals and things like that, I'll listen to them because I'm friends with a lot of them now, you know, mm -hmm. they'll, you know, I'll get CDs from them and stuff and I'll play them. And there's a lot of good bands, you know, that I, that I know, uh, I could name a few of them, but I mean, my, people might know them, you know, there's, a, we're friends with a band called Smolder, which are really good. Of course, Night Demon. Mm -hmm. um there's some other bands i i really like the last cd that uh a band called witch hazel did we played with them a bunch of times there, you know, there's, there's a lot of bands and a lot of a lot of things that go on in the in the world and you know it's it's hard to keep track of what's going on popular wise and and i don't try to do that but you know it's uh there's just so much so much content now that it's 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 People are just inundated with things, so it's hard to uh, to get anything to stick in people's heads nowadays unless it's, you know, really pushed at them. So, um, you know, I listen to a lot of things, and I listen to a lot of new bands and a lot of old bands, so I, I can't think of anything specific. No, fair enough. Tim, I want to thank you again for joining me today. This was an awesome interview, and um, this will be out just before the release of your album on October 20th. Beautiful. Thank you so much, and... Uh, like I said, like I said, Alberta, we're coming for you, man. We'll be there sooner or later, I hope. 
And uh, it was great talking to you and to all our Canadian friends. We love you and I hope to see you soon and go join the Dark Parade, man. Thank you for tuning in and we will see you next time on Gyro Nation Metal. Please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. The podcast can be found on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. If you would like to support this podcast, please consider checking out my Patreon. Thank you.